Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And my name is Joanne Hamilton, and I'm the founder and CEO of Secret Birds, soon to be called Rare Birds. And today I have a lovely guest with me, and her name is Natalie Costa. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Joe, and how are you? Lovely to be here, and so happy to speak to you again. I know, very well, very, very well, thank you. And this is podcast episode number 90. So Nat is joining us from London, where she's based at the moment. So Nat, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and um, really excited to have some good conversations. I know, I know. And today we're going to be talking about Power Thoughts, which is Nat's um, company, her new business, and how she's helping young people to tap into the power of their mind. So... Before we get into the topic next, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, your background, and, and how you ended up doing the work that you're doing now. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, so I am the founder and creator of Power Thoughts, which is a teaching, coaching, and mindfulness um, service that I provide to children, either within schools or working with children one-to-one. And it really is about teaching children about the power of their mind and the power of their thoughts. Um, helping them recognize that they don't have to believe every thought that they think and respond to everything that they feel. Um, I used to be a primary school teacher, taught in London for over 10 years. Mm. Um, And yeah, and it was really there that I started to notice, you know, you know, children feeling pressurized and stressed out, um, anxious, worried, uh, perhaps, you know, having lack of confidence. Um, And I always had an interest within psychology. So I used to, I'm I'm from South Africa Mm -hmm. and I studied teaching in South Africa, but I also did my honors degree in psychology. And so I've always had this interest in understanding the emotions and the emotional well-being around children. and when I was teaching, I, you know, would notice that, you know, the real struggle in what tools do we give our children to deal or to cope with the challenges they face or the, the um, you know, the, the, the emotional and mental well-being that, you know, we, I think us as adults and um, and I'm putting myself into this category as well. You know, we learn certain tools and what works and what doesn't work as we get older. Me as well. But, um, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and we're still learning on this side of the pond. Oh, God, yeah. I'm still learning. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, looking at what I know now and how much more useful and beneficial would it have been if I had these tools when I was younger as a mm. child because mm-hmm. I... You know, I, I definitely was somebody that would get anxious quite quickly. Um, yeah, me as well. You know, yeah. be, you know and the, the, the performance around tests and exams. And I think just having some tangible, practical tools to know what to do when I had these thoughts of self-doubt that crept up and that stopped me from, I don't know, putting up my hand and asking a question or making a new friend or mm-hmm. comparing myself to everybody else. But just having some tools to put me in a place that helped me take ownership of that. And, and instead of disempower me, as I tell the children, giving me the power, so to say, to kind of stand up and stand my ground and to have another go rather than think, oh, this is the worst thing ever when I failed at a math test, let's say, you know, that I can't even remember. But um, mm. in that moment, it felt like a big deal. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, the journey is a bit of um, a connect the dots. And it's always funny how things happen in your life and you can never really figure it out 
in that point. But then when you look back, you're like, oh, okay, I see how the dots have connected. Absolutely. Um, I mean, your training you know, as, a, as a teacher has prepared you for the work that you do now. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because I always used to say, so I didn't enjoy my time teaching in the <laughs> typical school, the school yeah. system. I really didn't enjoy it. For me, I felt... I was doing anything but teaching because, um, mm. you know, there's so many boxes to tick and Ofsted. things that need to get done Ofsted and, you know, and, and, and just the amount of pressure I think placed on teachers that takes them away from doing what they love to do, which is to teach. Yep. Um, Being in the classroom. And I always used to, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it, and it's so target driven as well. And, the amount of pressure, you know, the, the domino effect that, that that has on the children. Um, and all the but, you testing. Know, and I always used all to, the testing. The testing. I, yeah, the testing, but not actually giving them tools to realize, how do I deal with grief? How mm. do I deal with not feeling confident? How do I deal with stage fright? How do I deal with the fact that I've, you know, at comparison, you know, and you get and fed this, so many this, messages. And this desire that every day I've got to be at my, my maximum mm. So it's so it's so awful when young people think that oh I've got to be I've got to be this operate at this level every single day which is not true. yes it's not yes real. absolutely absolutely you know and I think um, so for me yeah I always it's funny because I always used to say I want to teach children but I want to teach something I'm passionate about so it's really funny how that's now happened Great. that I'm, te I'm still teaching but I'm teaching a subject and I'm teaching tools and content that I feel really passionate about and that I know will make a difference and it's not just going to make a difference when they're sitting their math exam but it's going to help them during a school, you know an interview for a job one day if they develop these tools as habits you know it's it's mm. practical tangible tools to deal with the everyday struggles or, you know, everyday challenges that we face, um, but in a more resourceful way mm. rather than thinking, oh, I can't do this because I'm not good enough or everyone mm. else is better than me or, you know, you know, that I think can sometimes, you know, we can kind of play that, not saying that, you know, we play the victim role, but it's very easy to kind of oh, slip God, yeah. into that way of thinking mm -hmm. or, you know, and to really encourage them to start looking at setbacks and as cheesy as it sounds, but looking at that setback as an opportunity to grow, it's a mm. comeback, you know, mm. yes, I, you know, didn't make the football team, but what's good about this? What have I learned from this? What are the other kids doing that I'm not doing? What can I mm. learn from them? How mm. can I use them as a source of inspiration rather than feel jealous and envious? Yes. Um, oh, that's, yeah. so, that's so powerful because I think, you know, as kids, and I want to ask you this question. Where do you think kids, I mean, thinking about when I was a child and you were a child, we're not that far off in terms of age. Mm. What do you think gave us all that anxiety and all that insecurity? I mean, I was very insecure as a little girl. Um, mm. I mean, I, I think maybe I came across as confident because I, I always spoke, but I was very insecure. Mm. Like, okay, I'm going to say something. Everyone's going to think I'm dumb, but I would say it anyway. <laughs> where do you think... <laughs> But where do you think that insecurity and that anxiety comes from? Um, do you think it's because our, our parents haven't reassured us that it's okay to be ourselves? Is it the society? Is it the culture? What do you think it is? I think it's a mixture. I think it's all of that. I think, look, parents, I know my parents did their absolute best. And I think, you know, I'd like to they think they did a their good best. job. Yeah. You know, they tried but their, their best. best you get, but you, their best isn't always functional. <laughs> it's not always right. Yeah, you know. 
and the thing is, no child, I always say to the parents, you know, your child's not born with a manual saying, this is how you raise me. Mm. Um, you know, coming from an education perspective, definitely I would see, you know, when I was working as a year one teacher, that children as young as five would start to think I'm not good enough because I didn't get 10 out of 10 on my spelling test. Mm -hmm. um, so I think definitely education or the educational sector in that sense, and I'm not bashing it at all because trust me, education is so important for us. Mm. But but attaching our self-worth to the marks that we achieve, that's where I think there's a big problem. And I see this time and time again. And I mean, we just spoke about this before in your experience in China, mm -hmm. the self-worth, you know, if I don't get the A star, that means I'm not a good person. Oh God, I mean, yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth. And I think that's sort of maybe unconditionally, subconsciously that, you know, we, we, we buy into that message. Maybe it's not directly said, Absolutely. but children are smart. Children compare themselves to each other. Mm -hmm. I think as well, you know, it depends on, I know my mom always used to grow, you know, tell me, you know, we're natural warriors. It's in our genes. You know, I worry, daddy worries, grandma worries, grandma worries. And I grew up thinking that I'm a warrior, mm. whereas actually it was a very well-formed habit I developed of thinking the worst thing's going to happen. Um, now, you know, it's, and I think it's obviously, you know, there's, there's other factors involved in that. Um, but I think it's a combination of things and it's what we you know, it's what our parents knew, what they were fed and what they were taught and how they were educated and that message then passed down and completely doing the best that they can. But I think now we're also starting to see a rise in this, you know, that there's more research coming out and there's more work coming out regarding the importance of emotional and mental well-being. Um, and we're speaking more about this today than what we did, say, 20, 30 years ago. It's all taught. It's all taught because, you know, our parents mm. us and they learn from their parents and their parents. Mm. And as we, I always say, as we get older, so much of our life is spent, if we want to, because some of us choose not to, is spent unlearning, yeah. unlearning a lot of the stuff that our parents taught us. Yes. Um, not because yeah. we don't love our parents, not because we don't respect them, not like you said, not because, you know, they, they didn't, our parents didn't always have the tools. And no. they tried their best with what they had. But as we have grown and developed and matured in our own selves, we then realize, whoa, this isn't good. This is unhealthy. I've got to under. Mm. I mean, I myself, I know growing up, grades were a big thing for my yeah. parents. I mean, if you came up <laughs> 90, it's like, well, what happened to the other 10%? You know what I mean? Like, yes. you're not even yes. celebrated for having a 90. That's not even a big deal. And I think yeah. you you would then attach yourself worth to grades and you think everything's about grades, everything's about the numbers. So then when you get yes. or 80 or, or something, you go into this really low point. And I think that's, mm. I don't know. I, I think I'd want my kids to enjoy learning and to, mm. to really experience learning on its own. And, you know, mm. you're going to be good at some things naturally. And some of the things you're going to have to mm. work a bit harder at, but, Getting a 70 doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means either no. you didn't study hard or you didn't understand the material or you just aren't interested. Sometimes you're just not interested. Yeah. And, and the other, yeah. And I mean, a big thing that I teach, absolutely. I so hear you. And I think the thing is, you know, so often when I first, you know, came up with the idea of power thoughts and I did some surveys, I worked with a school um, where I did a survey across the whole school. And one of the key things that came out is I'm afraid of making mistakes mm. and children, you know, from, from the, all the workshops I do and thousands of children I've worked with now, you know, saying, I'm afraid of making mistakes. I'm afraid mm. of getting things wrong. And it's shifting that perspective because, 
because mistakes in a sense need to be celebrated. It's like I teach something called yes moments where I've made this mistake and instead of thinking what's wrong with me, thinking, okay, yes, I made this mistake because now I know what mm. can I do differently? What mm. else can I learn? What has this mistake taught me? You know, how am I growing through making this, this mistake? You know, mm. and, and, and that's what we need to focus on. And yes, okay, I got 70%. Good. Well done for getting 70%. But now let's focus on what could I have done differently? You know, who could help me maybe achieve the next 30%? You know, what, how is this a good thing? How is this going to help me? You know, maybe it's a wake up call that I should put Netflix down and I should, you know, study more, you know, like uh, whatever it might be. But I think in every mistake, there's an opportunity to learn something. And that instead of being afraid of the failure, it's like, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? And I always tell children, I say, you know, if you're not making mistakes, you're not stretching yourself far enough. And you're not living. Um, and you're not living. And you're, and it's, and it's you're not, not living. You. And I think, it's no, so, I, mean, I think it's so dangerous how cultures, there are a lot of cultures that, are risk averse they're risk averse yes. and they 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 think they're doing their children a favor but they're not and they tend to stick their children into certain careers or to do certain things because they think they're protecting yeah. them and you're not protecting them what you're doing is you're setting them up for a life of failure because then when something yeah. goes wrong no one is ever going to be successful at everything and you've got to try yeah. a lot of different things to learn that you're not going to be good at everything mm. so and I, yeah exactly yeah. And also, sorry to interrupt, because one of the other things as well is so often those mistakes, mm. if we can just start to shift perspective and, and come, you know, look at the mistakes from a space of curiosity and being, you know, explore, exploring it, that often leads to um, a completely new thing. I'm thinking specifically, and I do not know the guy's name, um, but the person who invented the post-it note, um, mm. Mm. You know, the formula for the glue, the post-it note was a mistake because the mm. formula of the adhesive for the glue wasn't strong enough, but actually that mistake led to this new design. And I think Google as well do something, because um, I was teaching the children about this, I can't remember what it was called, but they offer, you know, their, their, their work is I think something like 10 or 20% time where they are encouraged to go off and make mistakes, encouraged to explore because I think that's actually how Gmail was invented. Was it through leads to mistakes. innovation. It leads to innovation. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's, doing and that's differently and doing things differently. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But you know, but mm. a lot of a lot of parents, I think, and I'm not a parent. So if anyone wants to call me out on this, please do. But because I'm not a parent, <laughs> I can't take experience. But my experience of working with young people is that when you give them that, when you give them that space, and you say to them, just do it. And they ask, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. Just figure it out. Just do it. Just do it. Figure it out. Research it. You know, whatever you want to do, just do it. They will come up with yeah. the most magical things. And you're like, yes. wow. You know? Yeah. So, but when you, when you give them all these strict guidelines and all these rules, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. And this is that. You, you limit them in such a way, like you, you see them literally shrinking, you know? But yeah. when you say to them, yeah. just do it. And then they kind of look at you like, is she for real? Does she really want me to do it how I want to do it? And say, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. you see them thrive and grow and they make mistakes and then they learn and then they keep going, mm -hmm. you know? But if you constantly give them all these rules and you put them in these boxes, you're, I mean, I think you're stunting their development as a, just as a human yeah. being, just as a human being. Absolutely. The experience Absolutely. of living a life, but like you're, you're really taking it away from them. You really are. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I think then that's, you know, um, I was speaking to a teacher the other day, we were potentially looking at doing some work together. 
um, you know, and he said one of the things that his, his pupils really struggle with is the creative writing aspect. So all week long, they'll look at the different structures that are involved in writing and storytelling. And then on the Friday, they have to, they've got this chunk of time and they have to completely be creative with it. And he mm. said they, they shrivel up, they shrivel up because they're so <laughs> afraid of getting it wrong. Yeah. Where actually it's like, no, but there's no way you can get this wrong. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, I, it, there's obviously, you know, you need to be taught the guidelines and taught what works, what doesn't work. I think it's, yeah, it's that creativity um, that, that gets stumped and problem solving and thinking outside of the box. And I think of all the valuable tools that we learn once you stand on your own two feet, you know, and I just think it's, yeah, if we, if we sometimes, and it comes from a complete place of love. I mean, and I'm not a parent yet either, but I've worked with a lot of parents and a lot of children. It comes from a place of love where we want to protect our children. We they don't mean want to well. see them. They mean, well. yeah, they mean well. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But actually allowing them to feel the pain of disappointment is a really good thing because yeah. it, it, you know, and it's also like a castle of I'll survive through this disappointment and I've got to stand up again and I've got to get myself back out there again, you know, and, and life, and life goes on and it's going to be yeah. okay. And, yeah. then, and then all of a sudden the next thing becomes easier and easier and easier and, and it goes on, you know, but you can, Absolutely. you can, you can, you see it with adults as well. They get a setback and it's like, Oh, life is over. And you just think, oh, yeah. God. Mm. <laughs> and that really is just the mindset. And that's what I'm so passionate about teaching is that mindset. It's like, mm. no, it doesn't have to be that way. This, this thing that went wrong could be the best thing ever for you. You might not see it now, but this could open up so many other doors and opportunities for you mm. if you choose to look at it in that way. And mm. that's really what I'm trying to encourage, you know, children to start learning from a younger age versus, you know, when, like me, when I only started getting into this in my, in my early 30s, you know, my late 20s, early 30s. And it was hard. It was hard. Yeah, for, me, for me, it was definitely, I started uh, experiencing and thinking about my own upbringing and things I had to unlearn that that didn't hit me until my thirties as well. And I'm 40 now. So it, it, it is, it is more difficult. It is harder because you've been through more, but I think it's good mm. because you're more, you're more conscious and you're more aware, yeah. but then, but then you've already lived how much of your life doing things in a certain programmed way. Yes. So then you, you yes. look forward to living the rest of your life doing things differently. <laughs> absolutely 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 yeah totally with you and, definitely and that's, and that's the journey so on your website it says power thoughts is a teaching coaching and mindfulness-based service aimed at empowering children to tap into the power of their minds and it goes on to read uh you give sessions to children as young mm -hmm. as five they're taught how mm -hmm. to become confident resilient and robust they develop a can-do attitude that allows them to flourish both at home and in the classroom this is something you've created on your own, um, your own mm. sort of your, your own personalized program that you teach mm. um, individually, you do it in schools, you work with parents, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us about, let's talk about parents for a while. How do you work with parents? How do you get parents to, to unhinge? <laughs> That's the right word. Because now that I, I work so closely with young people and I have to deal with their parents, and I know I'm working in a completely different culture to the culture I was mm -hmm. raised in, but, but there are some similarities as well. I see these parents and I just, I want to tell them let go, but I can't say that to them 
because I'm <laughs> and I don't know what it's like, but I really want to tell them you really need to let go. But I don't. I just kind of nod and smile. And but it's so hard trying to connect with them because they think they're doing yeah. what's best for their children, and you can't tell them otherwise. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think. Um, well, yeah. I mean, the parents. I think our context is slightly different because the mm. parents that I work with obviously have seeked out my support. Right. So they've, they've approached come to you. me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They've come to me. So mm. um, I think it'd be a very different ball game if I started standing on my soapbox and you know, well, yeah, and by no means, I mean, you know, that's a different thing. But they're coming. Yeah, and, and parents. Yeah, they're coming to me because ultimately they want support for their children. And, but even so, um, but even so, Nat, sometimes people buy a service. Yes, they want it. But then when they start to get it, they realize, oh, maybe this is not what I really want because you're starting to challenge them and you're starting to think, tell them they've got to do things in a different way. So do you ever still have to deal with those hurdles? Um, I'll be honest with you, not yet so far, actually. The parents I've had a touch with, um, you know, it might be uh, not the one, definitely not the one-to-one clients because those are final parents that want additional support. You know, they want um, some tools to help the children. And one thing I often, and this is something I always hear with parents, and this even goes back to the days when I was still offering private tuition, Mm. is parents would say to me, I, you know, even parents that are completely into personal development and all of the tools that I teach, you know, it's called, they completely get it. They, they love it. They, but they'd say to me, my child just doesn't respond to me. They, they respond better to it's being, being said to them from somebody else. Um, and this I would get from tuition as well parents saying you know I can sit and do the math homework with them but they just don't respond they just respond better to somebody else Mm. Um, so in that way but I think a lot you know in from my experience um, parents would come to me because they're seeking additional support and additional tools because they want to help their children in whatever the the area might be and I guess, you know, because how I work with parents is I'll always have a session with the child and then we'd have a debrief session with the parents. So sharing whatever tools we've looked at during my session with the child, we, these are the tools that, you know, is passed on to the parents. So basically the whole family, the idea is that the whole family does these tools together to start forming new habits. Um, and, I, you know, I do bring a bit of science and, you know, psychology and all of that into it. So it's, it's always been really well received. And they're like, oh, okay, I understand this. And this is great because this is how I can use it. I didn't know that that is actually what happens in my brain when I get stressed out or when I you know, get angry. It all makes sense. Um, so it's always been well received in that aspect. I've not actually had um, any challenges, so to say, or... But I think it's because they've come to me. They've come looking for the support. Um, and have, and have versus, they, do parents come to you after realizing there is a problem with the child? Or do they come to you because they just want to incorporate uh, different things in their parenting? When, when do you find parents come to you? When do parents keep you out? Uh, majority is actually when they find there's something that they're concerned about, whether it is anxiety, test anxiety, um, you know, making friends, uh, resilience. But um, in other aspects, you know, maybe not so much of the majority, but I have had parents who said, I mean, I had a mum who was um, a coach or psychologist saying she absolutely loves what I do. And she wants, you know, she just thinks it's so important that her children are taught these things. Um, and so, but there wasn't a particular concern as such. I mean, there were tests and exams and moving up the year group. So, but it wasn't anything 
you know, that was of massive concern for her. I said, more so is parents, you know, that I maybe they you know the children aren't as confident or exam anxiety school anxiety that sort of thing's a big thing um and yeah yeah you know bouncing back from things i think is is the other thing as well another theme and do you work with them as closely as you do with the kids um yeah i mean so I would have a session with a child and then, like I said, we'd have a debrief session with the parents where I basically end up going through the lesson and what we did and, um, you know, what the child's response was, depending on how old their child is. You know, I always say if the children are a bit older in their teens, I tend to kind of let the children, you know, the teenagers feel that this is a space of confidentiality as well. So um. it's, you know, because I think sometimes during that, that phase of a teen, you know, it's, you know, naturally we already know, like we don't always get along with our parents. So if there's another adult to talk to and confide in, um, in a safe space. Um, but I always make sure that I pass on the tools because that's the important thing. And I always say to parents, the magic happens once I leave and you start applying these tools in the difficult situations or in, you know, when you need, it doesn't have to be the difficult situation, but when you start using these tools because they're ultimately there to start helping you form positive habits, new habits, you know, helpful habits, um, unlearn, like you said, unlearning certain mm. ways of maybe to things or thinking about things we're learning new ways of responding to things um which i think is so important to incorporate the parents because it's then they can work together when the situations come up whether it is tests or competitions or exams mm. starting to use those tools you know what did natalie say how can we you know how can we use the tools that we learned to apply it in this situation yeah um so uh, for me it really is important to incorporate the parents and it, you know um, with one of the families I had, the activities that I did with the child, the whole family would then go away and do the activities as well as a family, you know, and I'd get the, I'd get like the worksheets back the next week of like what mummy's one was, what daddy's one was, you know, and it's really interesting. I mean, and I think that's just really helpful for them to continue the conversation so that everybody's speaking the same language saying oh well we need to do our power breathing to keep us calm you know and even it's funny i had parents say oh you know little freddie's reminded me to do my power breathing to keep us calm. and i was getting stressed in tesco's you know so because the child is recognizing oh mommy mommy's yeah. having a moment you know mommy, <laughs> yeah. mommy needs to hashtag chill out that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and then another way that I work with parents as well is I also, if children are eight years and above, I also offer something called a disc profile assessment, which is a personality profile, um, giving us better understanding, you know, for, for the child. Um, and it's, you know, children really enjoy this because they learn better about, you know, how they make decisions and relationships and interaction with other people. Um, and it really just gives them an understanding of like their personality blend, so to say. But then through that, they're also able to, through the, the feedback, the tests that we, the, the quiz that we do, they also then tend to pick up what their parents' style is. Um, and so often, you know, sometimes where we see, you know, where the clashes take place is like um, a mum said to me, it was 
a really good tool for her to use because she's parenting the style that she is. Um, whereas, you know, it's some, it was a complete opposite style to her child's style. So even though she knows a child inside out, having that profile done helped her understand how she could soften her tone perhaps, or how she needed to give her child more time to complete something, you know, and be more patient in certain aspects because her child's style was a slow and steady pace. Whereas mum's style was more, let's get things done. Let's move on to the next thing, that sort of thing. So, and, and you know, vice versa, a child said to me, this is great to use because I now know how I need to approach my dad when I want something done or when I want something, you know, um, you know that's instead really, of. That's really interesting. Because then the, yeah. parent, the child also recognizes the parent's style. I was on a flight recently, and there was this woman on the plane, and she was talking <laughs> to her. Oh, it was so. Mm, she was talking to her child, and she, I remember her saying something on the lines of, "Did you write it down in your book? Did you write it down in your planner?" <laughs> and and I guess the, I guess the kid said no, you know. And then she goes, mm. "Well, well, you didn't write it down. So what are you going to do now then?" Okay, fine. Oh. <laughs> and, and did you do this? And did you do that? And you know, you've got this type A personality mom, okay? Yes. Sitting yes. there on this flight, like she's super mom. No disrespect to women out there, but she's super mom, okay? And she's like, did you write down your planner? And did you take it off of your box? And did you do that? <laughs> did you do that? And I can imagine, that just based on the things she was saying, I can imagine the child's on the other end going, well, no, I didn't because I forgot or no, I don't remember mm. it. You know, just, just, I, you could just, you could use your imagination and just kind of, yeah. and then she goes, well, okay, fine. Don't do that now then. What you need to do is get your math book and do a few exercises before uh, <laughs> tomorrow. So that, and she's going on and I'm just like, maybe the, has she not realized that the kid is not type A like her? obviously yeah and she is giving the child anxiety she is planting seeds of stress in the child because mm -hmm. she's so anal and i was just like oh my god and then she <laughs> says and then and then no it gets better she goes okay fine mm -hmm. mommy loves you see you tomorrow bye i was just like for peace sake <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see yeah and absolutely and i mean from for mummy's side that's kind of the complete place of love no but oh, yeah. it is because um, oh, know, yeah. it's a, a place of love but perhaps if the child is not the type a if the child was type a it would probably be received in a different way but if the child wasn't that could be seen as oh criticism and mm -hmm. um you know there's something Red. wrong so and and it, yeah, and I think it's just it's just a, such a useful tool to just um, a just recognize you know that we are all different, and I know we know that. And but parenting, I think, is one of the, is is the, the hardest job to do because you're bringing up this little human being into this world, and you just want to get it right. And it's um, but you know the, not everyone you know, not everyone's a planner, and we all don't plan in the same way. And I see that, yeah. and I see that in the classroom, you know, some kids, they've got their little books and they're super organized. Okay. And mm. they write everything down. Teacher, look what I did. I put my notes. I have this. And I'm like, wonderful. Great. And then you've got some kids who just come in and they've got the electronic device yeah. and they, they take a little photo and they're like, yeah, I got it. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then you've got yeah. those who are like, yeah, it's cool. I'll get to it. But they all turn in the work. The work is all yeah. good. But it's just different approaches. Mm -hmm. And I think exactly. that you, can't, yeah. you can't stress kids out by trying to turn them into these serial mm -hmm. planners because they, not every kid thrives in that way. 
Yeah, and that's it. And that's really just understanding what makes your child, you know, how do they thrive better? How do they work? But also, it's an opportunity for the child to see. So if you've got somebody, say, slow and steady pace, you know, in that sense. And when I say slow and steady, they like to take their time. You know, they're thorough. They want to, it, it's for them to recognize, okay, where do I need to pick up the pace? Mm. How do I need to move myself on? Because I can't carry on like this, you know, like there's certain things that I need to pick up the pace. I need to be more decisive in certain situations so it's, it's just an area as you know there's certain rooms for growth but then it's understanding how they th they thrive and, and you know what works for them um and, and how they communicate communication. how they communicate yeah it, it's the communication and also to not take things so personally i think as well you know that it's not from a, it's like that's just how they choose to communicate but um just because we choose to be like that or that's our natural preference doesn't mean we can't grow in other areas as well Definitely. So, um, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, that yeah, was such definitely. a funny, that was a funny experience. And everyone was just kind of <laughs> looking at her. Like, this woman is mad, yo. Yes. Like, she's, oh, like, you know, she mom. Was, she was, and she had her little book. And then she, you know, she got off the phone and she was ticking all her boxes. And I was just like, man, you know, she's, she's like, her whole life is organized, okay? Which is fine. Yeah. But I just kept yeah. Poor child on the other end, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult. <laughs> no, but I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got um, students like that. You know, parents get really, really involved, and they email and they want to know everything. And ah, oh dear, sometimes you just mm. gotta, sometimes you just gotta ignore the email, and then they come back, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember that as a teacher. Absolutely, absolutely. Like go yeah, away, just go away. Let the child breathe. You know, yeah, and um, and yeah. then I and I would say, oh, she's doing really well. She's um gotten a lot better at this, this and that. But she, but she could improve here. Oh, okay. Well, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do. This, this, this. And I'm like, no, maybe that's just not her thing. And they look at you like, yeah. What do you mean that's not her thing? What do you mean that's not her thing? <laughs> of course it's her thing. Of course it's her thing. She study harder. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So, so what are some of the actual um like power thought tools that you um that you sort of administer or, or deliver to, to the kids? Is it sort of um sort of um, mantras things that you say is it things that they write down is it meditation mm. is it mindfulness um so it's a mixture of things really um a lot of it actually is obviously as a, as a teacher I'm very good at breaking things down into lessons. Mm. So it's taking the, it's basically, it's, it's, you know, when children are as young as, as five and six and seven and eight and, and, you know, even a bit older than that, it's about teaching them the tools and what's happening in our brain. And so one of the things I teach is um, something called the super loop. So the link between our thoughts, our feelings and our behavior mm. and um, you know, how that, Basically, you know, if we, we start to, and you know, they're all linked together. So if we, for example, think something like I'm too scared to go to this new club because I'm, what if nobody likes me? What if mm. I'm the odd one out or whatever it is, that's going to make me feel a certain way. I'm going to feel anxious. I'm going to have butterflies in my tummy. I'm going to be nervous. I'm perhaps going to want to, be kind of closed in, you know, I want to protect myself. So like a closed kind of feeling, as I say, and that might make me behave in a certain way. Maybe I'm shy or I'm, you know, I hold myself back or 
whatever it might be. But versus if you take that same scenario and I've got to go to a new club, don't know anybody, I could start to think thoughts such as, well, what if I make an interesting friend? What if I learn something new? Um, yes, I'm a little bit scared, but actually I'm also excited because excitement and nervousness are the same feelings in my body. It's mm. just the message I'm telling my brain. That's mm -hmm. going to make me respond in a different way. I might find one person to go up and compliment and say, hey, I like your shoes or I like your hair. Mm. Um, you know, I might, you know, I'd, I'd automatically open up my body posture come across being more confident and have that open body versus the closed body mm. um so teaching them you know the understanding of what happens there and also looking at you know the other thing i teach is what what happens in our brain when we get stressed out what happens why do we respond the way that we do because we've basically hit the stress response and when we hit the stress response it causes us to fight flight or freeze Mm. And, you know, if we get ourselves into the complete panicked state, mm. what happens is that basically we can't access our prefrontal cortex in that moment, or as I call it, you know, our thinking brain. And then we start to respond from a more primitive part, which is my feeling brain or the amygdala. And mm. that makes me panic or freeze in an exam, let's say, or I lash out and I, you know, I punch my little brother or whatever it might be. Or I get into or I an get argument. A, a nosebleed a lot of, i've seen a yeah. lot of kids get nosebleeds in the middle of the exam like they freak out so much they get a nosebleed and then they've got to yeah. rush off and, and deal with the nosebleed which takes time from the exam so they get stressed out even mm. more and it, for me it's for me the first time i saw that it was such a horrific thing for me like wow, oh, wow. a child can yeah. get so stressed that they have a nosebleed yeah. during an exam that is yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's absolutely, and I think it's, it's giving them that understanding, okay, well, why am I, what's happening? But then, okay, what can I start to do so that instead of getting myself so stressed out or what I call um, something called flipping your lid, which um, was a fantastic resource taken by um, Dr. Daniel Siegel, who wrote the book, The Whole Brain Child, mm. flipping your lid. At that moment where I flipped my lid, my thinking brain's not in charge because I've given all of my power to my feeling brain. And that's when I'm panicked. Mm. And when we're in that stress state, we can't think clearly. You know, mm. that's when we, how often in, if you're in a panicked or stressed state, you, your thinking's not clear. You're not able to think no. rashly. No. Um, and, and that's really, and it's about teaching them, this is what's happening. That's okay. Cause we all do this. You know, we wired to stress because the stress response kept us alive thousands of years ago not all but in today's bad, right you've got good stress and you've no got yeah yeah and not all stress is bad absolutely and is recognizing it for that and what can i start to do so that instead of flipping my lid and giving into the panic and allowing the feeling to take over what can i start to do to stay in my power more you know and that's by using some mindfulness breathing or something we call power breathing you know keeping me in that more resourceful state because if i'm able to keep my prefrontal cortex engaged and i lower the levels of cortisol stop the cortisol from flooding my brain then i'm able to think rationally you know that's when we can then start to move further on and start looking at our thoughts and how mm. we start to shift perspective so yeah. okay i'm sitting in exam i'm really nervous but what you know and that's the other tool i teach is like the link between nervousness and excitement so mm. it's the same physiological feeling in my body but the only difference is what i'm telling my brain about that so mm. my heart's beating faster i've got butterflies in my tummy instead of saying i'm nervous to sit this test i could say i'm actually excited to sit this test because i can show the teachers how much i've learned 
mm. you know, and you start to treat your brain. You might not feel excited, but you're, you're still feeling all of that, that, that energy inside you, but you're telling your brain, why are you feeling this? And what it sure. does is it puts sure. a lid, it puts a lid on that nervousness. It puts mm. a lid on that. So it doesn't take it away, but mm. it keeps it manageable because you're like, your body's like, okay, cool. You're excited. And you know what? I studied really hard. I've studied to like 1am in the morning, as you told me your students do. Mm. I'm going to show you this future, just how much I've learned. So I'm not nervous. I'm excited. And mm. I mean, there's been so much scientific studies done that kids who went in math exams saying I'm excited performed better than children who said I'm nervous versus you know adults who went into interviews and said I'm excited to go to this interview performed better than those who said I'm nervous you know so it's just teaching them these tools in in lessons in ways that are fun in ways that doesn't feel like there's something wrong with me that's what I'm learning this but more like oh cool I didn't know that let me try this out you know um and I, I worked with a pupil a few years ago, but well, just when I actually started, um, and he said how he used this nervousness to excitement on the football pitch. Um, and he said, you know, he had to play football with the older boys. Uh, he was really nervous, but he just said, okay, Daniel, you're not nervous. You're excited. And he's like, I went on there. I did a good job. I didn't score a goal, but I still had fun. And actually I really enjoyed myself versus being crippled by the worry of the nervousness. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, th I think I've kind of gone off your question here, but I'm <laughs> no, not at all. But you know what I was, I, I, was, I was listening to you and you know what came to my mind? The word judgment, the difference between nervousness and excitement. Cause you said they're almost like, if I'm, if I'm saying this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. two sides of the same coin. So nervousness and excitement are kind of two sides of the same coin, but I think they're, yeah. they're both infused or charged by judgment because when you know you're being judged, you can get very, very nervous versus, mm. versus getting very excited. I feel like you get excited because you're just in a good place and you're happy and you're like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to yeah. show you what I can do. But when you know you're being judged and you're being critiqued, you get nervous. Mm, mm, mm. You do. But yeah. again, mm. if you then... And if you then allow yourself to go down the rabbit hole and shine the spotlight on being judged, being judged, being judged, that's going to increase your cortisol. That's going to increase your stress hormone. That's going yeah. to make you shut yeah. down. Yeah, so exactly. you have to exactly. shift the spotlight. You have to shift the spotlight. You mm. can choose to shine the spotlight where you want to, yeah. but you can choose to tell yourself, actually, this is the same energy as excitement. Of course, I'm not skipping into this exam. I completely get that. I'm not skipping into this thinking this is the best thing ever, but I'm understanding where this feeling is coming from. And what I also tell children often is that, 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 you, that that's, that's giving you energy to do the job that you need to do. Mm. Use it as fuel and energy to get to do what you need to do. If you're on stage and you're about to give a class assembly or school assembly to 400 parents, as I believe in one of the schools I work in, that's a massive amount of parents for a little child to stand in front of but okay um, that this is the energy that it's giving you the energy to do your performance so shift yeah. perspective it's what, is, what is the story and judgment yeah. okay. and what's the story judgment is okay you know i think as an adult i've learned that judgment is okay it's okay to be judged that's mm. fine that's normal mm. Because I think there's a big yeah. fear of being judged. What are people going to say? What are people going to think about me? I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's just like, you know what? It's okay. People are going to judge you. No matter what you do, just let it go and just do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, the judgment thing as well is 
Because when we look at, because one of the things I teach is looking at self-doubt and looking at, you know, those voices of self-doubt and the negative stories that we create about why we can't do something or what, you know, whatever your self-doubt might be. Mm. Um, and I always get the children to, you know, we create this into a character. We call it our unwanted visitor. And when does it like to visit us? Because we don't have self-doubt all the time. Mm. You know, some of us might have it more than others, but it tends to crop up in the same time, like maybe before maths test, you know, or mm. when you've got to meet new friends. But if you're doing, if you're in the park with your close group of friends, you're walking your dog, you don't have the self-doubt. So mm. recognizing when it creeps up, creating it into a personified character that's actually quite funny, you know, mm. give it the voice of Dr. Duck for them to recognize this is not me. This is just a voice that I choose to listen to um, mm. or a story that I choose to replay over and over again. But when I get children to write down one thing that their unwanted visitor says anonymously on a post-it note and I go around and I collect them, how many of them say the same thing um, around the thing of what everybody else thinks? Mm. And what I then do is I randomly read out some of these, you know, and that one of the children I'll never forget, she said, she's like, I actually didn't realize that most of the people here have the same self-doubt as me and mm. that we're all feeling the same thing. Mm. Um, and, and, and again, you know, it's that it's, it's where we're choosing to shine the spotlight. And I think as well is, is the judgment comes from comparison mm. and, you know, we compare ourselves to others and we create these stories about other people mm. that are nine out of 10 times false, you mm. know, cause we only see what we're seeing. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's kind of, I mean, there's a whole set, another session we can do in judgment and comparison, but it's, um, it's, it's learning to shine the light on me. And, and like I always tell, you know, like it's, it's as easier said than done, but stay in your lane because you never like what you see face value is never the true story. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Just and, focus and, on your and, own life. Focus on yeah, your own life. Focus yeah. on doing your own thing and just wish other people well, but don't get caught up in that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I tell, you know, and the other thing I tell children as well is I said, you are not the starring role in everybody else's lives because we're all, we're all so caught up in our own judgment. Be like, oh, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? What are they going to think? You know, that you are not the starring role in it. Not, you know, people aren't as concerned about you as what you think you are. You know, yeah. I always get a laugh. I'm like, you're not as important as what you think you are in other people's lives because they are so worried about themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> but we can make it. It's very easy to make things about us. You know, like we, we go somewhere and someone's mean to us and we make it about us without realizing, no, maybe that person had a bad day. Maybe that person yeah. had experience five minutes ago. Maybe that person is dealing with divorce. We don't know what people are going through, but it's so easy yes, to absolutely. make it about us because that's our ego, right? Everything's going to be about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a book that I was reading not so long ago um, uh, called The Four Agreements. And I cannot remember oh, yeah. Miguel. John Miguel Ruiz. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, one of those things, don't take it personally. personally. And it's so true because, and it also, you know, it it again is somebody, like you said, they're mean to you. It's, it's nothing to do with you. Nine out of 10 times, it's their own story and whatever's happened to them. Um, You know, whether you say like, what if, what if they're going through pain? What if they're really struggling with something? Um, That's why it's not always about you. Yeah if you know what I mean, it's not always about us. And, um, and it's so easy for us to... 
story. Yeah, that is a really good book. I love it. Absolutely love it's, it. It's a small book. It's a cute book. I know he's got a host of books that he's written based on his Toltec tradition, but that I know that book is, has really helped a lot of people to kind of detach from, from things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the day, I think, you know, as well, you know, and I know we're veering off a little bit, but it's about you do you, you know, as long as you're kind, as long as you're compassionate, as long as it comes from a place of good intention. And you're not going to get along with everybody. That's what I tell the children as well. You know, we're not going to be liked by everybody, but that is okay. Just like you might not like chocolate ice cream, but you prefer strawberry ice cream. That's the same. It doesn't mean we have to be mean or nasty to other people. We can be kind and compassionate and come from a loving place. But it's okay to not like any, everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know it's okay I mean? for oh, everybody okay not to like you. <laughs> yes, yeah. But that is something that, you know, that, 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 that needs to be, you know, it's like a, it's a muscle, you know. We need to build that sense of resilience. Um, it's not a quick fix, you know. It's, it takes time, but, it, but we're just starting to shift perspective on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always tell my students, it's, it's okay to, to not be liked and it's okay for you to not like someone, but it's, what's not okay is disrespect. That's what we're not going to tolerate. So yes. you don't have to get along. Yes. You don't have to be best friends. You know, just smiles, skin, you know, skin, green teeth, bear it, whatever you need to do. But we don't disrespect each other because yeah. we disrespect each other. That, that's trying to no, rob absolutely. someone else of their humanity and we don't want to do that because when when we rob someone of their humanity then it becomes hostile and it becomes aggressive and that's a whole other thing we don't Mm. want that so we just agree that we don't like each other and we just smile and we keep moving you know life skills yeah yeah i want to absolutely no and that's a thing yeah yeah for sure i want to i want to shift the conversation a little bit just to the business side of what you do because i can imagine there are people who are wondering how you manage to set up your business model and all this other stuff, because you're not a coach. You're, you're almost like a consultant, right? Providing a service. Is that how you would characterize yourself? Mm. Or would you say that you are a coach? How would you define yourself yeah. from, a, a, from a business, like a business model perspective? Yeah, I suppose I probably would use the word coach. Um, however, I suppose when you were working with five and six-year-olds, that just does not sit well with me at all because you can't coach a five-year-old you can teach a five-year-old mm-hmm. I, I would i've actually never thought of that with you. I, like personally i i i would see you as an ed, like if i had to define your business i would say you are an educational consultant that's how i would define you i wouldn't define you as a coach mm-hmm. i would say no no definitely not yeah because yeah you, 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 because i think you yeah. you give a service to kids you give a service to parents you give a service to educators to teachers to administrators, yeah, etc., et and you come from an education background, so you're almost like a consultant, yeah, just working with different mm-hmm. groups of, of people. Consultants, yeah, yeah. But was it yeah. difficult? Was it difficult to to set your the business side of things up? Was it difficult to get people to understand what you do, or, or did you find having your your teaching background it, it was just easy to kind of to, to, to slide in and, and explain to people, okay, this is me, this mm. is what I Yeah, so, yeah, so I think the teaching background definitely helped um, because it allowed me to tap into my warm network, so to say. Um, and when I came up with the idea of teaching children these tools in a way that is fun, you, you know, in a lessonable format and so forth, and teaching the tools versus coach, I suppose, um, 
and then thinking, okay, look, I've got this 10-week program that I want to roll out in schools, putting the lessons together. I turned to my warm network initially. I had some head teachers that I knew in other schools and one of them invited me to come out to her school. So once a week I would be there delivering power thought sessions and it was well received. And then through that, um, cause she had a massive school in Uxbridge, North, Northwest London. So a few of the pupils that I was teaching had a deputy head teacher in another school. Mm. Um, so then I was doing some work in that school and then that school put it out on Twitter. So then I got worked into another school. So kind of organically grew with the schools in that way. Um, in saying that, though, it is difficult. I, do find, I, I did initially find it challenging getting into schools due to budget. Budget was a massive thing. Mm. Schools have money. Mm. Um, but as the year, so I've done it now full time for a year and part-time, you know, for a year and a half. So as it's gone, it's growing. So the inquiries from schools are actually starting to come in a lot more. Mm. Um, so I think it's helped in the sense that it's organically growing. Um, and I definitely think it's helped that I do come from a teaching background because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what I used to do. So that's definitely, um, and the one who was came through later on. And, and again, that was on, I mean, I'm, I'm quite active on Instagram. So a, a lot of the clients would come from, from Instagram or people talking about it. And I think that one finishly, it feels like you're talking to nobody and it's crickets, but people are listening and people are watching the amount of people that have been in touch with me because so-and-so has mentioned me in a conversation. This one's mentioned me. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Um, sort of how I've, but it is that case of, I've got it, my dear friend, Lucy Sheridan always used to say, be the lighthouse, keep mm. shining that light, you know, mm. keep shining that light. Like, and that's, that's honestly it. And I can see, you know, there's also that quote of the day you plant the seed is not the day you, the fruit. And that's absolutely so true. The mm. amount of opportunities that have come through now, but I was first put in touch with it eight, nine, ten months ago, maybe even a year ago. Mm. Um, and it's about building those relationships. And mm. I, I think as I started delivering power, thought, I started to see how I prefer to deliver it. I think we spoke this call. You mm. know, instead of offering it as a 10-week program, I prefer, you know, half-day work workshops or full whole school workshops three times a year or whatever it might be versus continuously going in every single week yeah because that started to you know I started to feel more like a cover teacher versus enjoying the freedom of why I wanted to set up my own business and work for myself in the first place um so yeah but definitely a lot of you know building relationships and 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 keep keep talking keep banging on the message that's it you know and people are watching that's a big thing I've learned you know people do notice but it, it, it takes time yeah, I mean, like I said, educational consultant, or you know, we can get fancy and call it edu edupreneur. You know, we like to give all these fancy names to things, but um, edupreneur yeah. is is a thing. You know, I've heard people refer to themselves as an edupreneur, oh. but yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. But you know, because there may be people listening in who are te- who are teachers, and a lot of teachers hate their jobs, <laughs> just like people hate all their jobs. <laughs> And they want to, and they, no, this is, you know, you never know it because I'm telling you now that I'm into teaching, I can see why teachers hate their jobs. 
<laughs> I can see why. Because like we were talking about offline, there's so much paperwork mm. and there's so much <laughs> of that stuff that doesn't involve being in the classroom that you just get tired, you know? And, and depending on where you are in the world and the educational system yeah. that you're working in, there's some, there some stressors, you know? So let's say you're a teacher, you're listening mm. in and mm. you, you've got all this experience in teaching, but you, you're trying to figure out how can you transfer this or heaven forbid, how can you monetize this? then it's kind of like, okay, so what do I need to do? So I think what you've mm. done is a great example for others because like you said, you were a teacher, but you didn't particularly enjoy it that much. But you found a way to bring your teaching background and your, you know, your education and, and, and so on around psychology and all of that stuff to create something that you can then offer and make money off of. And that's excellent. So you've now become... Yeah. Ex- you've now become an expert in your area. You've now become sort of like a cornerstone <laughs> or a go-to person that people can rely on for information about something very particular. And I think that's very clever. Like you can, like there's so many different ways to make money. Like people, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it blows my mind the way we can make yeah. money. It yeah. just blows my mind. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I, um, I mean, thank you so much for that. I feel anything but the expert sometimes. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I think, you know, there's a few things there. It's just taking action and keeping it small. And yes, you've got your big goal or, you know, I don't really like the word goal, but you've got that big thing that you want. Um, But actually sometimes taking your eye off that and just looking at like, what is the next step? What Mm. is the next step I need to take? And that's it, you know, I'm focusing on that. And, um, you know, initially I used to think, oh, but I'm, I'm a teacher. Well, I don't have any business acumen. I mean, I teach year one, for goodness sake. I'm good at <laughs> dumbing things down and breaking things down, you know, child-friendly speech. Like I used to go out in like sweats, just typing an email to a head teacher. Like it can take me forever. Like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? What do I say? Um, but I think as what, what one thing that teaching's really given me is, we are so, you know, you're so skilled, you're so multifaceted and you so have to, you know, you learn the skill of thinking quickly on your feet and, you know, in primary school where you've got six subjects that you've got to teach in a day. So the fact that you can jump from one lesson to the next to the next. So very similar. I use that a lot in my business in the day where I've got a, you know, content creation here, but then I've got to jump onto calls and then I've got to do something else, you know, so being able to put that into boxes and jump from one to the next, similar to how you would teach one lesson to the next lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not afraid of hard work because we're used to working long hours and used to, you know, with limited resource as well. Exactly. 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 So I think, you know, I really undervalued how, many skills I had to bring to the table and of the skill that you have of talking to people. Cause I think, you know, as a teacher, you're talking to so many different bodies and so many different personalities. You are a communication um, expert as well as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, and you don't, I don't think, you know, we always, um, well, I definitely didn't appreciate that. And I, mm-hmm. um, if I look back now, I'm like, Oh, I have, you know, you've got a lot of skills here that you've learned that, um, they're only aided in this. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and I call you an expert because you are. You're an expert in, in the area of, of power thoughts with, with younger people. You are, you know. And I, yeah. I think I want to share with, because so, I've known you for a long time <laughs> outside of this mm, podcast. Yeah. And I knew you way before you started doing all of this stuff. So I want to share with, with, with some of the listening audience some of the things that you've done just to give others an idea of how you got to where you are now. I mean, you're active in social media. 
Um, you use a lot of social media. I remember when you were starting off coaching first and you mm. were in confidence coaching, which is very attached, uh, not attached, but quite not too dissimilar to what you're doing yeah. now. It's confidence, but you shifted from females to younger people and because yeah. that's the group you were originally working with as a primary school mm. and then mm. you've also branched out you know you've gone to the schools and you've you've sought out opportunities in in schools in the UK and you've joined yeah. you I know you've also done a lot of networking you're involved with associations you attend events um professional mm. development there's a lot of things you've been doing to build yourself up to, to where you are now. And and, oh, this, and and this is just some of the things that you've done. It doesn't include, you know, the setbacks and when things didn't work. But now you are doing work in the UK. You have international clients. I, I know you have someone in Japan and you've had phone calls from Germany. So you didn't have, we don't want people, you know, I do these podcasts and I, I try to keep them as raw and as honest as possible because you don't want people to have these ideas that, you know, oh, I just started this overnight and it just went to the, no, no, oh, gosh. like you, right. you, you had your ups, you had your downs, but you found a way to make it work, but you obviously had to put in a lot of time and effort and you had a lot of setbacks mm. or you had a lot of setbacks. Oh. I remember when you were teaching, remember you were you used to teach at that gym for a while, remember? Oh, yeah, when I used to do my, yeah, gym instructor, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, you were doing, yes, that was my hobby, yeah. You're doing a lot of things, but now you are working mm. full-time in your business and you're thriving. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, that's excellent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, thank you. Um, and I mean, by no means, it's, it's actually funny because I'm busy now with a new project and I completely feel like a newbie again. I'm like, oh, I, I'm actually petrified. I actually feel sick sometimes. That's how scared uh-huh. I am of what I want to do. And you've been on TV. I w- you've been on TV, oh. right? Weren't you on TV? <laughs> You are ITV. For those of you who aren't in the UK, that's ITV. That's UK television. You've been in UK um, newspapers. Like you've been around. Yeah, you've been around. <laughs> yes, yes. Although the ITV thing was quite an interesting debate, but um, it was good publicity. It was good publicity. It was good, and I'm glad I did it. But um, I think one of the key things that I take always, you know, if I think about it now. Um, is and this new kind of project that I'm busy with is I just remind myself of what did I do before when I felt this way so when I first started power thoughts and it was literally taking everything step by step and completely you've got the setbacks of completely you've got the disappointments the amount of tears I have cried because I am a crier yeah yeah Um, you know I can fill up buckets full and it's it's and the amount of in negative self-talk, I mean, all the tools I teach, I apply them to myself. And they say, you know, I think I was listening to a, a podcast with Oprah the other day where she said, you most teach what you need to learn. And that's completely true with me. Completely. Mm. I hold my hands up, you know. I'm, um, I'm consistently, you know, when I'm working from home, talking out loud to myself, you know, entirely <laughs> reminding myself of all these tools that I'm You've teaching. You've got to give your own power thoughts. You've got to give your yeah, own absolutely. power thoughts to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if I look to see how the dots have joined and, you know, I know, you know, there's, there's other things I want to achieve and not knowing those same fears. It's funny because you always think, oh, when I get there, then I'm not going to have these anxieties and these self-doubts. Absolute nonsense because I find the anxiety and the self-doubt and the same voices are always there. It's just a new challenge. Mm. But it's learning to recognize, not the attention to that and just to keep shining that light as I'm saying, keep taking it one step at a time. Um, 
And, you know, if it's a no, then actually probably a very good reason why it's a no, because that means, well, yes, will it be even better than what you anticipated it to be? And yeah. that has been proven to me time and time again. Yeah. You know, as, as disappointed it is in that moment and allow yourself to feel the rejection, allow yourself to feel it, but mm. then get yourself back up after some time and put yourself forward again, you know, like, you know, and, it, and it's, and actually I was, I've started saying thank you when or a no, because mm. I just think, okay, I know there's a bigger plan for me. I know there's, um, no, it's a blessing. I know that there's a bigger no, it's a blessing. No, it's, a, it's blessing. a blessing and saying thank you and in saying thank you for that versus oh my gosh why no because I've as, had, as painful to, as it is i've had to retrain my mind in that way as well no does not mean like someone yeah. said to me once no means next opportunity for me no is just that's a blessing this wasn't for me move on yes. i don't once upon a time i would have never seen it that way but with time i've learned that everything yeah. everything that i've been denied in my life has it's been the best thing <laughs> me yeah yeah absolutely and that's the thing you know I mean and, and allow yourself to feel disappointed and upset of course you know yeah. cry I do that but then okay let's get ourselves back up again it's going um that yeah. you know that's that's the important bit absolutely yeah. absolutely well beef it's 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 time to wrap up we've been talking for a long time now <laughs> it's been such a great conversation it's gone really quick <laughs> i know it has but Thank you know you, i want to i want to know i want to know um where do you, do you have you given yourself any thought i don't like to pressure people because i don't like to plan make big big plans to either but um have you thought about where you're going to be maybe five years from now seven years from now um yeah i mean well that's the next project i'm working on i take power thoughts online um because i've definitely looked at how i can scale it up um i don't really want to train anyone up in doing it not because i think my program is the best in that sense but from working with schools they say no it's power thoughts by natalie so um the schools i've often said you know we you now obviously i can't be in schools all at the same time um what I'd really like to do is to take Power Thoughts online um, and have it as a subscription service for schools and then look at creating it for families, um, wow. teaching the core sessions that I teach. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're there. And ultimately, you know, and again, it's, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to work for myself was to have freedom freedom is a massive core value for me freedom and flexibility mm. um and it just allows me to also you know reach different parts of the world and without you know and different places without burning myself out because at the moment it is just me and i do run around to different schools all across the day um which is really exciting but mm. there's only one of me so well, we have well hopefully hopefully well. hopefully so, in that which plan. is why making it online in that plan you can start hiring some some people to work for you and, and yeah yeah and in that aspect yeah yeah wonderful yeah yes <laughs> okay that sounds great so that's where we so, to go. <laughs> that sounds really great and i know i know you're going to get there so tell us where we can reach you give us your website and your social media and all that good stuff yeah sure so my website is www.power thoughts.co.uk um quite active on instagram so that's power thoughts n for natty c for costa so it's power thoughts nc um and then 
book as well, which is Power Thoughts by Natalie Costa as a Facebook page. Um, and Twitter is Coach underscore Costa, C-O-S-T-A. Um, but I most mostly find me on Instagram, um, sometimes a little bit on Facebook. And um, yeah, that's, that's basically where I hang out at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. And is there anything that we can, can do for you that, that you'd like from us? Oh, so I'm currently looking animation, animators. I um, Part of my online program is, is a combination of teaching, of me teaching and delivering the message, but also bringing in animation. Um, yeah. So, and perhaps any sort of support in in, in help creating an online learning platform. Mm, um, I've got some nice. contacts, but obviously you never know, you know, if there's any kind of, yeah, anything, in, you know, how I can take this as a service and create it into online. So schools and kids. children. Kids. Something that children yes, can, so, yeah, can, can anything tap that into on their little iPads and, and, and play around with and manage their thoughts. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Nat, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. We've been trying to sort this out for some time. <laughs> so it's great that I finally got you thank on board. Thank you so much. No, it's been yeah. brilliant. <laughs> I've loved it. Thank you so, so. Yes, yes. And I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing, because like I've said to you time and time again, your work your work is, is extremely powerful. And now that I work closely with young people, I see how even more important it is. And I think um, schools and, and those in education, they need to get on this in, in earnest because it, it, it is really crucial for young people to have the tools. Like we said, we didn't have this ourselves yeah. growing up and we had to learn it as an older, at an older age, which is such a shame. But young people mm -hmm. now can be equipped with the tools to to get on in life and to lead healthier lives, healthier emotional and, and mental lives. And yeah. it's just, it's, there's, I don't think there are any words that can summarize, but I just think what you do is really, really important. And we need lots more people like you doing the stuff that you do. So um, good for you, Nats. <laughs> and thank you for all that you do. Thank the young, you. And thank the you so much for having me. Yeah, thank it's you. Been so great. Much. It's been great. So that is podcast episode number ninety, rare ones, and number ninety. You're number ninety, Nats nine zero. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> brilliant. I, I know, I know. And thank, thank you again. And for those listening in, I hope that Natalie has inspired you in some way. If you are someone in education yourself and you're looking for an escape, <laughs> you want to get out. Um, I think Natalie's story is quite. quite <laughs> quite inspiring and her work is so so crucial and so important so um you know how to reach her have you given us your email address now if someone wants to contact you via email um yes so well, they can contact me through the website there's the website. a um okay, cool. a contact box on the yeah 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 there's a contact boxes through the website yeah okay so brilliant. can do that okay so until next time stay rare bye for now thank you